I want to take just one second to introduce our speaker to you. Brother Stephen Wolf is um, a man I ad admire very much. And I've known him for, I don't really know how many years it's been now, six or seven years maybe, um, five years, I don't know. Um, met him in Kentucky, uh, and it's just been a great uh, providence of God that I would know him. He is a missionary. He and his family, a uh, missionary to South America and Venezuela. He's actually married to a Venezuelan woman, and I was so hoping that his family could be with him this, this weekend because they are wonderful, but uh, uh, they had a scheduling conflict, and they had to back out on coming, uh, so it's, it's just him with us this weekend. Uh, Stephen and Darlene, his wife, they have 10 children. And just to give you an idea of what that is, if, if Olivia and I combined our kids with Drew and Kendall's and with Trace and Kaylee's, we would have as many kids as Stephen has. That's how many kids that he has. Um, and they are incredible parents. They've, uh, Stephen is one of those people in my mind that I have that just occasionally I think, what would Stephen Wolf do when I'm thinking through what I should do? Um, that's how much I think of him, how much I respect him. I don't know anybody like him. Uh, and he's uh, just a very unique individual who, whose heart thrives on sharing the Lord Jesus with people and he lives it and it's uh, true to who he is and in fact uh, very soon he and his wife Darlene are getting ready to head back to Colombia South America and to go into uh, very likely to go in some pretty dangerous settings uh, sharing the gospel and he's somebody who has been willing to put his life on the line in the past and who's still ready to do that and so that's the kind of person that I want to commend to this church so he's going to share with us right now and I want to really encourage you, if, it, if you have the space at all, uh, especially to try to be here on Saturday morning, because he's going to share his testimony with us then at 10 o'clock on Saturday morning. And um, it's really powerful and really encouraging. So if you can be here to hear that, I'd encourage you to. Encourage you to. Would you just welcome Stephen to, to come forward now? Well, I have to speak about uh, all the promises of God in 40 minutes. <laughs> I don't think I could do that. So we're going to take some, right? <laughs> all right. So uh, the, um, I have a verse here, and I'm going to read it from the NIV because I think they did a, a great job in, in making it clear. It says, uh, because Paul's speaking, and he's talking about his visit to the Corinthian church, right? So he says, because I was confident of this, I plan to visit you first so that you might benefit twice. I plan to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and then to have you send me on my way to Judea. When I planned this, did I do it lightly or do I make my plans in a worldly manner so that in the same breath I say, yes, yes, and no, no, but as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, was not no, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. And when it says the amen, that means the so be it. That means like, like that, let it be. 
uh, you know, or, or when we say amen to something, we're saying, Father, like that, let it be. That's the way it is. Amen? And so that's the meaning. And so Paul is saying, you know, when, when, I, when I come, when I come to you all, I say, I made a plan. My plan was to visit you. And I was going to visit you out there when I was going to Macedonia and when I'm coming back. And he said, did I make it lightly? Did I, when I make a plan, do I make it lightly? No. Did, did I say, yes, I'm coming? No, I'm not. No, it's there. And then he points back to God because that's the way God is. That's the way God is. Um, we have verses in the scriptures, and, and I say that this is important. Ephesians 4.22 to 25 says, to, but to us, you know, God's word to us, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, let each of you put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. So in that one aspect of that being, living in God's righteousness and holiness is to speak truthfully to our neighbor. We speak truth. God is a God of truth. He always tells us the truth. And so when we speak to people, we should bring not only God's truth to them, but when we relate to each other, we, speak, we, we, we do so in, in truth and honesty. Another verse, uh, Colossians 3, 9 says, Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. Right? So then in our relationship with, with, with one another, we have to speak truth and we're not to lie. Right? Because that is, a, that is a part of the old way that we used to live. Right? And so, and even in, in so in our, in, we, we talk about keeping our word. We could talk about keeping our promises, keeping our commitments, uh, which really comes from our father. Because our father keeps his promises. He keeps his word. When he says something is the way it is, we know that is the way it is because God does not lie. Amen? So uh, I just want to, you know, we live in a world, we live in a world where there are a lot of lies. You sometimes go, you buy something from a store and the salesman might tell you a lie about the product. Right? He might say, oh, this is how it works. And yeah, last, oh, this one, we, we've got proof that this last will last 20, 30 years. Well, maybe not in 1930 America it was that way, but it's not today like that. And so you sometimes get lies. You, you have relationships that, in our relationships, there are many times lies between each other. But in Christ, it shouldn't be that way, and that has to be crucified. Um, just to, in my, and, and then we make commitments. So our commitments and our promises, we, we, we're to be, as Christians, like our Father in heaven is, who's true to his word. Uh, I remember I was a young missionary in Venezuela, and I was with my wife, and I had, I think by that time, three children, uh, two or three, and one thing that I always, I always filled my schedule with too many things to do. So we would have what we called a, a family day, right? And it might be a Saturday, it could be a Monday or a Thursday. We'd just pick one day each week, and we'd do a family day. And sometimes we'd, uh, we'd, go, we'd go all the way... Uh, let's say maybe an hour away to go to a river and spend the time, you know, uh, swimming with the family in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a beautiful, clean river and so forth. That was things we like to do in nature. And so 
I get up early in the morning, you know, about 7 o'clock, and I think, well, I could do this, I could go this and this. And just because we got to leave at 9, right? And so here is, so I'm I'm at 7 o'clock in the morning, and I I think, well, I'll go out and do this and get this done and this done, then I'll be back at 9. And all of a sudden, I walk through the door at 10 or 11. And so what happens? My wife and my children are expecting Daddy to take them to the river that day. Right? But daddy got involved in other work and then wasn't careful about his promise that he made to them and his commitment. And now we're here at maybe 11 o'clock trying to leave to go an hour, an hour and a half away to a river, and when are we going to get there? You see, so what did I have to do? We either left late and everybody's disappointed, or we had to reschedule because I didn't keep my word, I didn't keep my promise. With my wife, my wife will tell you, if she was standing here, she'll tell you herself, when she was a young woman in the world, she lied a lot. There were a lot of lies that came from her mouth. And it was so much so that people didn't believe in anything she said. So she had to live, as a result of that, from her friends. They would, she would say something, and, and, sometime, and then she was really trying to tell the truth. And people would just say, ah, ah, Darlene, you know. Always, you know, always, they, they, just, they couldn't take her seriously. And she had to live with people now when she was trying to tell the truth because she had told so many lies that people didn't trust her word. And she sometimes sold so many lies that she didn't even remember what was the truth or what was not. That's what she'll tell you that. And then when she gave her life to Christ, one thing she made a commitment, I am not going to live a life of lying again. That was one of the things when she gave her life to Christ and as, that she said, this ends here <laughs> and I'm going to begin my life telling the truth and speaking the truth. Uh, her mother uh, her was, was, got pregnant out of, out of wedlock and her, her, her boyfriend, her boyfriend of, of, my, of uh, my mother-in-law deceived her. He brought her to a doctor to get an abortion. And she didn't even know why she was going to the doctor, except that maybe to get a checkup about the baby. But the doctor was going to perform an abortion on her, deceived by her own boyfriend. And that would have been my (laughs) wife-to-be. That would have been Darlene that would have gotten aborted at that moment. Darlene's grandma, she she was to be wed to a man. She's She's in her dress. She's at the altar. And her, her husband-to-be never shows up. Never shows up to the marriage ceremony. And then her, her boyfriend elopes with her sister. You can, you can be sure that, that after all those experiences, uh, you, have, you have a house of women, grandma, mom, and daughter, that had a difficult time putting their trust in men because of their experiences, right? So when, when we don't keep our word and we don't keep our promises and our commitments, it destroys trust. It's, it's the very foundation of a relationship. But when it comes to God and to Jesus, it's different. And God teaches us to be different. And so why can we trust God? Because he tells the truth. Why, when God tells the truth and we see that he consistently tells the truth and what he says is going to happen and it happens 
and, and he's always true to his word, then he becomes, he, he, we, 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 we trust, start to trust in God. Right? And so, well, th- and this is what, that's exactly what Paul says. I didn't make that plan lightly. I made a plan. I was going to come to you going and then come to you coming. And, he, and, and then he said, because that's the way our father is. In right? uh, our message to you is not yes and no. Yes, I'm going to do it. Then, then later, no, I'm not going to do it. You know, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who is preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen, the so be it, that life, that's the way it is, that is true, is spoken by us to the glory of God. Yeah. So, the, uh, when you go back and you study like the Old Testament, one thing you find is that God was going to, you know, told Moses, I'm going to take my people out and bring them into the promised land, and I'm going to give them that promised land of Canaan. And God was true to his word. All right, but at the same time, there was a commitment between God and man, and, he, and before they crossed over, the, I think it was the River Jordan going into the promised land, God spoke. And he, and he had given, he had just, Moses had received the, the commands of God on, on Mount Sinai, and he, and he said these words, right? and Moses is talking to the people about what God said, and he said, if you obey the commands I give you today, blessed will you be in the city, and blessed will you be in the countryside. And then he starts to talk about all the different, all the different blessings that they would receive for their crops and that they would bear much children. They would become number one. They would lend and not borrow from people. They would become the head. If, uh, if, if somebody attacked them, those people would go out fleeing in seven different ways. And you can read it about It's Deuteronomy 28. But if you do not obey the commands I give you today, cursed you will be in, in the city and cursed you'll be in the countryside. And then God talked about all the different curses that would come upon the people. Right? That they, 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 the scab and the, and, the, and, and, and the mold would come on their crops. Uh, their, 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 their animals wouldn't bear and, and, and bear fruit. They wouldn't multiply. Uh, the kneading bowl and the food sources of food would be very little or nothing. Right? That the enemies would come and then take charge of their farms and, and their lands. Right? And so God is telling them the truth. You know, you, you, if you obey me, then you're going to be blessed. If you don't, then there's the curses that come. And so then that, what we see that happen in the history of, of, of the Israelites. When they later divided into the, into the ten tribes of the north, right? The ten tribes of Israel in the north, and then the, the, the two tribes in the south, which, which we know it as Judah, but it was really Judah and Benjamin. And, and, and so we see in their history that when the first, the, the, the ten tribes of the north, they didn't have one good king. And the king always led them into sin. And they went against the one true God. They started worshiping other false gods. And they had all maybe committing adultery and, 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 and maybe erecting, well not maybe, they were erecting statues to false gods and idols. And then finally their judgment came. Like God told them, cursed you will be. And their judgment came, and they were destroyed and scattered into, into the, in, they were destroyed by the Assyrians that God used to judge his own people. 
And then, and then we see about 150 years later comes, comes uh, uh, the Jews of the, of, of the south, the two south southern tribes, all right, Judah and Benjamin. And they had good kings, bad kings, good kings, bad kings. So they took a, long t- a longer time to go in the way of sinfulness. All right, it was there, it wasn't there. And so, but then Jeremiah comes and Jeremiah starts to speak to them. God is going to use his servant, Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, to come destroy you. You have to, you have to repent of your sins. You have to give your life over to, to God and come back to him. And so, and so he was, I mean, you read, you read the 44, 40 or 44 or 46 chapters of, of Jeremiah. It's just Jeremiah pleading with the people. You know, to repent. And that even as Nebuchadnezzar came and took one wave of Jews away to Babylon, still there was a chance if the people would repent. He said, if you repent, you will still live in this land. You will not be, be serving a, a foreign king. But they didn't listen to Jeremiah. All right? And so, they have, so, so we have like Jeremiah 31 chapter 31 talks about the return because God would take them into captivity for 70 years. It will be 70 years. So that means most of the people that left wouldn't be the ones coming back. But after 70 years and the people learn to turn to God and honor him, then when, when Cyrus of Persia conquered Babylon, all of a sudden a pagan king wants the Jews to go back and rebuild the temple in Jerusalem, and the people go back, and now being more studious and, and, and careful about following the ways of God. Right? So God, God's promise, I will bring you into captivity for 70 years. And then if you look in history, and in exactly the 70th year was when Cyrus, who Isaiah prophesied about, would rise up, conquer Babylon, of which they were a part of. They were part of the Babylonian Empire. And then, all of a sudden, Cyrus is, is, has this idea and this, this passion to let the Jews go back to establish the temple and, and, and the true worship of the God of Israel. Jehovah God, Yahweh God. And they go. So God is always true to his word. He says this is what's going to happen. This is, it, it, he, 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 he makes his promise. He also made the promise of their being liberated. And they were in the 70th year, just like God said. All right. So now we come to Jesus. All right. and, and, and Jeremiah in 31, 31 said, also talked about a new covenant that would, that would come about. All right. And you find that in Hebrews chapter 8, where he, he talks about that too. A new covenant that will not be like the ones that, the, that, that was given to the forefathers, which was Moses and, and, and the original Israelites. It would not be, but it would be a new one. And people would know their God. Right? And so they were, they were given uh, the, the hope in, in the actual scriptures of the Old Testament through the Old Testament prophets, of a new covenant that would come about that wouldn't be exactly like the law of Moses, even though some things of the law of Moses would be there. Right? All right, so the, and, then, and so then Jesus comes. You may say, a, a virgin shall be with child was, the, was both a, a prophecy and a promise right, to the Jews that there would be, there would be a Messiah. And she, he would be born of a virgin. 
And so we see that, that come about in the life of Jesus. We just celebrated Christmas, which is talking about, in part, about the birth of Jesus. It's talking about the, 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 the birth of the Messiah of the world. Amen? And Jesus comes and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Well, and so he proclaiming, he said, nobody comes to the Father except through me. He proclaims to be the Messiah. How do we know? How do you know that Jesus is the Messiah? That would, for, the, for any Jew in that society, he would say, well, how do we know this man is the Messiah? Well, the, the, the proof that God gave was the prophecies. Right? The prophecies. When you start to look at all the different prophecies that each prophet, this is Jeremiah, Isaiah, right? Micah, right? talking about the, the Messiah being born in, in Bethlehem. All right, and when you see all the different prophecies that were happening and were being fulfilled in one man, that is proof. Because no prophet, no prophet can prophesy uh, how things are going to be in the future uh, unless he hears from God. Because man, if he's just speaking from man's perspective, he doesn't know what's going to happen. He can't arrange history. But God can and so that means that these prophets heard from God and spoke. And that's exactly what they said. Thus says the Lord. That's what most, one, one of the big things about any prophet. Thus says the Lord. This is what God told me. This is what God said last night when he, he spoke to me or appeared to me. Right? And so the, that's, how, that's how the prophets spoke. They didn't just say, well, I kind of feel that God's trying to say. Right? And they said, well, I think God is saying, no, God gave them specific words. And you tell this to the people. You tell this to the king, right? They don't say, well, I think this is what God's trying to say. No, it's not you think what God's trying to say. God said it to the prophet. And, he, and they came to him and, and, and they said, this is what God said last night. And, and you go from Ezekiel to Isaiah to Jeremiah and, and Mike and, and, and Zechariah and, 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 uh, and, and it's there. Right? So the prophecies prove that is proof that Jesus is the Son of God. And then you also, Jesus also made, made a, an important uh, point. Remember when they were lowering the, 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 the paralytic man down through the roof? Remember that? That story? Lowering the paralytical man down through the roof, right? He couldn't use his arms and legs. And what did Jesus say? Your sins are forgiven you. Right? So now the people, the, the leaders start to, they're hearing these words, your sins are forgiven you. Only God can, can forgive sin. They're thinking, some of these leaders. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, it says, knowing their thoughts, he said to them, uh, knowing their thoughts, he said to them, uh, what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you? Or arise to this paralytical man, a paralyt paralytic, arise, pick up your, your, your stretcher, pick up your bed, and walk home. But that you may know, so that the easy thing to say is, oh, your sins are forgiven you. There's no proof there, right? But he said, but then Jesus said, but that you may know that the Son of Man has the power to forgive sin. I say to this man, arise, pick up your pallet, and walk home. Now the miracle becomes proof 
of the words of Jesus. Now God's power is shown by the man actually getting up, a man that everybody knew could not walk. And here he is walking. And so now that becomes proof that the words that Jesus said, your sins are forgiven you, is backed up by the power of God. Amen? So that when you, you know, people say, well, we can't prove that Jesus, yes, I believe we can't prove. When you see all these miracles, and man doesn't do miracles by himself unless there's the power of God behind them. And these prophecies don't get fulfilled. No man can prophesy the future. No man can tell you what's going to happen in the future. And here you got all these prophecies. And there's about 24 prophecies that are just happening in the day of Jesus' persecution and death and resurrection that are fulfilled in one man. So their proof is there. So when Jesus gets up and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, nobody comes to the Father except through me. Uh, then, you know, it's backed up by the prophecies, by the miracles. Amen? And so, then, so Jesus is offering, and then Jesus says to them, I've come to give you life, and I've come to give you to more abundantly. A promise. Right? He promises abundant life. Later on, later on, when they, when, when on the day of Pentecost, Jesus was preached by Peter and the rest of the apostles, and they were speaking in tongues of, of a language that they knew nothing about. Uh, they never studied it. They never learned it. They were fishermen, most of them. One was a zealot. Another one was a tax collector. They didn't study the, 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 the different languages of the people that were coming from, the Jews that were coming from Italy and, and Crete and, 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 and Egypt. And, but yet they're hearing these apostles speak in their language, a miracle. And so Peter starts to tell the story of Jesus and how he was killed by the Romans and the Jews. And the question becomes to the people, especially the Jews, the Jews that were seeing and hearing this message, and, the, and, and he says, you know, even David, there's this prophecy that his bones shall not suffer decay. Right? But he said, we got, we got David here. David is here. We have his bones. And his meat's not on his bones anymore. He was speaking about one of his descendants, which is Jesus Christ. And so then the people asked Peter, what shall we do? The Messiah's been killed. And Peter says, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, every one of you, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So he says that if you repent, and if you're baptized on the foundation of a heart of repentance, then forgiveness of sins would come to you. So men knowing that they've done wrong and lived lousy lives and, and, and not really measured up to God, and the promise is that they're their sins that have forgiven them, right? And Jesus, uh, then when he, he's talking to the uh, when he's talking to the Jews who believed in him, it says, let me say again, John chapter eight. In John chapter eight, it says this. Verse 31, Jesus therefore was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, these Jews, they answered, we are Abraham's offspring and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you shall become free? 
Well, first of all, that was a lie because you just had to go back to 70 years in, in captivity in, 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 in Babylon. And we know they were captive and they were, they, their freedom had been taken away from them. All right? But aside from that, that it's not really correct. But the point is, is they're saying, how is it you say, well, we're descendants of Abraham. We're of the chosen people of God. How is it that you say we're going to become free? We don't need anybody to free us. We're already free. And then Jesus says this. Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. And the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. If, therefore, the son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Interesting. Now, they're clearly talking about a freedom. They said, we're free. And they're talking about maybe political freedom. But Jesus all of a sudden turns it and he said, how, they said, how is it that you say you shall be made free? And Jesus turns it to sin. He said, he said, truly I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. And the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. If therefore the son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. So Jesus is teaching that the Son and the power of God can help you to overcome sin. Because the freedom that, was, that Jesus was talking about was freedom from sin. Because you're a, you, you become a slave because you're sinning. And now, but if the Son makes you free, uh, free from this life of sin, then, so there's a promise there that the Son can make you free. And so we, we see that even in, in when you go to something like, um, when, you, when you go to, um, let's see, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter, if I can find it, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I believe. Okay. For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud. Now, Paul is talking about the, the, the Israelites. Our, our, our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And all were baptized into Moses and in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the sp same spiritual food. And all drank the same spiritual drink. For they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well pleased, for they were laid low in the wilderness. Now these things happened to, to, as examples for us, that we should not crave evil things as they also craved. And do not be idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat, and drink and stood up to play. Nor let, let us act sexually immorally as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in one day. Nor let us try the Lord or test the Lord as some, as some of them did. And were destroyed by violence. Nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example. 
as they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. If you think you're strong enough, if you think by yourself you can do it, you think that you, you have the power to do it by yourself, take heed lest you fall. And then this is the important part now. No temptation has overtaken you but such as is common to man. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will provide the way of escape also that you may, not, that you may be able to endure it. Listen again. No temptation has overtaken you but such as is common to man. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you, you are able but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also that you may be able to endure it. And so what Jesus is teaching us or the Holy Spirit is that there's temptations out there us, but they don't to overtake us. Right? The God is faithful and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. Right? So if we fall into sin, then it's because we didn't grab hold of the power of God and prayer and faith and other, other, other armaments or let's say weapons of faith that God gave us to overcome. Because there is a way to endure and to escape it. And that's why Paul, that's why Paul could say, and, th and there is a promise there, because the promise is that you don't have to sin. God's power is there to help you change and to help you overcome. And as we walk with him and walk with him and, and live in prayer and faith, I, then God's power is there to, to, to give us the strength to change. God has granted to every man the power to change. Jesus died on the cross. He paid for our sins. But at the same time, God is looking for a people to be obedient and to be faithful. Right? And so Jesus paid it because none of us would make it to heaven without Christ. None of us. Jesus became the living sacrifice for us. And, but at the same time, the power of God is there to overcome. That's why we can become good husbands and good wives, good mothers and fathers, right? We can be an example to our children. Not perfect, but as we're growing with God, we're moving toward perfection. Our eyes are focused on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, right? Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. So with eyes focused on Jesus and walking toward Christ, then we start to overcome things. That's why we all don't have to be drug addicts or, or drunkards. Or we all don't, we don't have to be enslaved to pornography that's so prevalent today and has trapped so many, right? We don't have to steal Right? Because the power of God is there for a transformed life. And he's promised that. Right? 
God is promising here that God has, has, has his power can help us to escape the sin. He's faithful to us in that way. And that's why in 2 Corinthians, I believe it's 7.1, Paul can take a, make a bold, bold statement. And, and I think it's, it's, it's one of the boldest. Therefore, having these promises, and there are many that we haven't spoke about tonight, having these promises, what promises? That, that we've been given salvation, that, we've, that, that Jesus is giving us an abundant life, that Jesus died for our sins. Right? The, the parable of the sheep and the goats talks about the righteous uh, sheep being put on one side and the righteous and the unrighteous goats on the other. The, right, the unrighteous goats are sent to hell, but the righteous, the righteous believers go to heaven. And he says, because why? When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. When I was sick, you, you, you came to me. When I was thirsty and hungry, you fed me and gave me drink. Right? So the promise of heaven. Right? And the promise of the power of God to overcome sin. Jesus even said, you shall become free. If, if, the, if the Son gives you that freedom, you will be free indeed. And the context is talking about sinning. And then Paul comes up here in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. He says, therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. Right? Having all these promises of God, how God is working in our life, what God is, how he's there to help us. He's there to pick us up when we turn to him for help. If we've got a problem with lust and we go to God desperately, Father, this has to be conquered in my life. Pornography, whatever it be. Uh, an addiction. And, and we, we go to God and we ask his help. And we're desperate about, the, about receiving help. God's help comes. God's help comes. Right. So he says here, Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all all defilement of flesh and spirit. He, he sent this to the brothers and sisters, Paul through the Holy Spirit. All right. Let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness out of the fear of God. So, I mean, we're in that, we're in that walk. cleansing ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit with the power of God, by the grace of God, and, and perfecting that holiness. I'm going to share with you a story in my life. All right. um, back in 1988, my wife, not my wife that I have now. My wife committed adultery. My, my wife of four years. She, she was, got into bed with my friend. Right, who also was married. Right? We were in the same congregation. Right? I was an evangelist. He was an evangelist. Right? He had struggles in his faith. 
and she had struggles in her faith, and they slept together. Uh, she knew because of my commitment to God's word, but God says if a man divorces his wife except for adultery and marries another, he commits adultery. So for me, the only, the only thing that I would ever think about divorcing my wife was adultery. So she calls me up, and she says, because she was asking for a divorce because she now was loving another man. Right? So I said to her, she said, you, you, you have now your reason for I, I said, you know better. I said, if you, if you repent to God, I receive you back as my wife with, in, with your, a, a clean slate. Right. And so she said, I have no need to repent. So I hung, we hung up the phone, all right, and I dropped, and all of a sudden, a desire came over to me. I'm a minister to kill my friend, right? I immediately dropped to my knees right there on my kitchen floor in Tampa, Florida, and I say, Father, your word says... Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And on another place, do not exchange evil for evil. Right? Even though, and so I said, Lord, I know your word says this, but right now the pain and the hurt of what's happening, and it wasn't just happening one time, it was many times. I said, it, I need your help and I need your power Give me your unconditional love. I need your unconditional love for these two people, for my wife and for my friend. I said, I, I know I should not take matters into my own hands, but I need your power and help to, not, to do right in this situation. And so I went into prayer one to three hours a day praying for my marriage and praying for my wife's repentance. Praying that this, this would, would work out for, to God's glory. Amen. I would pray. And then so, but during the day, even though I was praying one to three hours a day just about this problem, uh, desperate, desperate to see to get God's help, and to, so because my, my soul was, and my mind was the battleground. There would come a thought, yeah, you could buy a gun. I didn't have a gun at that time, but you could buy a gun and, and wait for him when he's coming. There would come that thought. Then the Holy Spirit would speak. Say, no, Stephen, that's not God's way. Don't do that. And and so there, there was the battle. So I'd be praying and praying, Father, please help me. Take my heart and, my, and, 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 and give me the unconditional love to be able to love people who aren't doing the right thing and aren't doing the loving thing right now. 
I know you have it. I know you are a God of unconditional love that is able to love like that. I need it. Calling out to God. And so I went like that day after day, calling out to God in prayer, up to three hours a day. And then I kept 17th day. And you felt strengthened because you're praying, right? You feel the strength of God because you're praying to him. But still, those thoughts would be coming and going throughout the day. And, you'd be, and, this whole, and, and, and the Spirit of God was also working for me, you know, moving me in and, and encouraging me to do, to do the right thing. And then all of a sudden, I come to the 21st, 22nd, 23rd day. I don't remember exactly what day it was. Could have been the 25th. And I'm praying desperately for the situation. And all of a sudden, right, the Spirit of God, what I felt, what I experienced was that the Spirit of God came. And when you're, when you're feeling pain and when you're feeling betrayed and you're feeling hurt, right, it, 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 you don't just feel it in your pinky, right? Your whole body experiences these emotions. It's a, tra- it's a traumatic thing. And so the pain is, you know, and, 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 the, and the hurt and, and the, 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 the resentment or the revenge that's wanting to take root, you feel it in your whole being. But what I experienced on this 23rd day, more or less, was that the Spirit of God came upon me. And it was like entering with me from my head, the presence of God, and all of a sudden all these feelings of revenge and resentment and hurt pain was literally being pushed out through my feet. Now, I'm a Church of Christ preacher. <laughs> and these things are not supposed to happen. <laughs> right? But, but that's what I experienced. And in its place, as that happened, was left an overwhelming power of love and th- that I had for those two people. My wife and my and my, my friend. Uh, which their actions were, going, were destroying two marriages. Uh, and so, and from that day, I never had, I never had the problem of loving those two unconditionally from that boy. There was never, ever again the desire to take revenge or the, the uh, resentment. It was gone. By the power of God. When a person beseeches God, any man <laughs> goes to God seriously, urgently, desperately for help, God answers. And so, uh, so, we serve a God that's there for us, and He's our Father, and He wants to hear our hurts and our pains and our struggles. You struggle with a certain sin or this temptation sin, God is there to help you with that. Does God want you not to lust? Yes. Does God want you not to be addicted to, to, to drugs or alcohol? Yes. That's his will. He wants to see his children purified, right? He wants to see his children not enslaved to these things. Isn't that true? All right, so... The, these are the, 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 the promises that are given to man. Uh, that God grants to every man 
the power to change. Uh, you say, well, I got this feeling. I can't change it. No, maybe you can't by yourself. No, impossible. But God can. There's some things, yes, we can change by ourselves. I, I agree. There's some things that are not hard to do. I stopped smoking because I realized smoking, uh, I stopped smoking cigarettes because I realized it, it was hurting me. So I stopped. But there's other things. <laughs> that, 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 that man's power is not powerful enough to take care of it. And so we need a living God who's there for us and who wants to work. I mean, you have a, you know, celebrate recovery here, right? I imagine there's people being liberated, right? By the power of God, Tra- you know, transformations. And, and, and we've seen it, and we've, we've seen it here. We've seen it, we hear testimonies all over the world. Right? I mean, you got imams who are cutting off people's heads who find Jesus. And they, they want to learn about Jesus. Iran, a Muslim country, a very radical Muslim country, is one, is the fa- one of the fastest growing churches right now is in Iran. Uh, Muslim people turning to Jesus, having dreams of Jesus, uh, having visions of Jesus, and, 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 and giving their life to Christ. Because that's where there's power. Amen? All right. So... That's why when it, uh, and Paul, you know, ends about his, the way he makes his commitments and his promises, it's not yes and no. Saying yes out of one side of his mouth and no on the other, or no a day later. And for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who is preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no. But in him, it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Let's all stand and and pray. (laughs) Oh, Father in heaven, you are good. You are our Father. You have come to save us. Jesus, your Son, died for our sins. He has given himself for, for us. And the power was also shown on the day of his resurrection, O oh Father, when not sin, nor people killing him, nor death had power over him. You raised him from the dead. And in like manner, you raise up us, Father, not only on the day of judgment, but also in our lives here on earth. There's power in your name, and your power is there for us to be transformed day by day, to walk with you more and more, and to become like you. Please help us to be like Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, There is no other. He is the one that you've sent, the one to bring us to you. May you guide us and strengthen us and help us to say no to sin and give us the power, Father, to be more like him. In the holy name of Jesus Christ, your son, amen. Amen.